Hi everyone, this is Artie from Human Chapters. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about Human Chapters. Humans are living narratives with the past, present and future. These narratives constitute of a number of chapters across the lifespan. The aim of these conversations is to highlight a chapter of the narrative and unpack its connections to other chapters. I don't care whether people are natural storytellers, but I truly do believe each one of us has a worthy story to share. Acknowledgement to country. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land which now comprises Greater Shepparton. We pay respect to their tribal elders past and present and emerging. We celebrate their continuing culture and we acknowledge the memory of their ancestors. And today we are talking to Jim. Um, Jim is from Shepparton and we are going to be talking about um, GV Food Share as part of Jim's chapter. And I'll pass it on to Jim to introduce himself. Go for it, Jim. Hi, my name's Jim O'Connor. Um, I wasn't born in Shepparton, but I've lived in Shepparton for a lot of my life, but I've also lived in 12 other towns uh, so far, uh, mainly in Eastern Victoria. So I know um, Eastern Victoria, country Eastern Victoria very well, including having spent 12 years in East Gippsland. Uh, but at that time, I was working right across Gippsland from Warrigal right through to remote places like Bendock and Bonine and Orbost. So uh, in those days, I was working in the courts as a clerk of courts or court registrar is what they're called nowadays. Um, and part of that was running uh, a, a charity called the Court Poor Box, that's so now called the Court Fund. And um, it was a form of emergency relief for people. So I think that's why I'm here today to talk about um, my role in food share and um, how I came to be involved in food share. Is that right, Artie? Yes, it is. Yes. Um, so, Jim, yeah, take us through your journey from when you started. Um, I would love to hear about when you started the charity Court, court Fund um, and why you started it and then how it sort of led through to food share. Yes, uh, well, I, I didn't start the court fund. I think the, the court poor box was probably started, um, you know, 150 years ago when uh, the uh, courts first came into Victoria, uh, when Victoria separated from New South Wales. So it's a fairly old institution. But um, uh, I guess by mentioning the court fund or the poor box, I'm talking about my first introduction to um, emergency relief and uh, food relief because most of the places that I worked, that was the only, um, one of the only um, forms of emergency relief was the court poor box or the, or the court fund. And uh, as a result of being involved with distribution of money from that, I, I came to understand how emergency relief occurred in, in the towns in which I worked. And, um, uh, and it was pretty ad hoc, to be frank. Um, uh, the organisations um, that distributed emergency relief didn't talk to each other. Um, and uh, as it turned out, the court fund tended to be um, common ground because what I used to do was distribute most of the money from the court fund to the local emergency relief 
organisations like the St Vincent de Paul and Salvation Army and others, uh, so that they could use it for, generally for food relief for people in, in dire straits. And um, uh, anyway, to come to the Shepherd and Food Share after working in the courts for 27 years and then um, over 17 years as uh, the Chief Executive Officer of a large um, uh, employment service uh, and social enterprise called Work Trainers, um, uh, which was based in Shepparton. Um, I was enticed to join the board of Shepparton Food Chair, which had started about, um, I think it started uh, in about 2010 or 2012. And um, uh, the meetings that um, initiated Shepherd and Fuji were held at my premises where, uh, where I was the CEO um, in our meeting room. And um, I was sort of helping them from the sidelines a bit, but not directly involved. So I can't find credit for starting it up. I was probably more on the sidelines barracking for the, uh, and advocating for for a food share organisation to be set up. And what um, the way Shepherd and Food Share works is it's a bit like a wholesaler. It doesn't directly distribute relief to individuals. Um, Shepherd and Food Share um, has relationships with um, supermarkets and uh, food factories and fruit and vegetable growers and uh, other producers of food. Um, and we, we attract donations from those sort of organisations. Uh, often it's either leftover food or food that's otherwise going to go to landfill or food that's past its best before date. Um, and we're able to get it donated to us for nothing. And we then uh, make that food available to um, the likes of St Vincent de Paul and the Salvation Army. Um, I know I mentioned those a lot, but there's also a lot of very good church groups who provide food aid. Um, there's a lot of um, school breakfast programs and lunch programs that uh, Food Share supplies food to. At last count, there's over a hundred organisations that uh, if you like, they're the retailers, they collect their food from Shepherd and Food Share and they direct, direct it, they distribute it directly to the people in need. So we're a bit like the person in the middle. But what was happening before Shepherd and Food Share was set up was each of those hundred organisations were making approaches to food factories and supermarkets and fruit and vegetable growers and others asking for donations. And um, that becomes a drag for um, those organisations. And uh, a lot of them basically just, you know, rather than being um, harassed to some extent by small requests for donations, they basically said, no, we don't make donations and um, because it was too hard to administer. so. Um, by just having one point of contact for their donations to uh, of food, of, of leftover or waste food, um, it's made it much easier for them. So we, we actually have a good relationship with nearly every um, supermarket and food producer and food factory and vegetable and fruit grower around. And um, 
uh, and so they, they only have to deal with us, they don't have to deal with a hundred organisations. And um, so we, we, um, we get the food donated and we then allow the, um, um, the retailers, if you like, the smaller charities and organisations to come and basically do a shop um, uh, at our supermarket, if you like to call it that. Um, and the thing, the only thing difference is they don't pay on the way out. They just take what they need and um, and use it for the purposes of um, feeding people. So it's a, it is only food relief that we do, and the model of food share in Shepparton is um, probably not a lot different to uh, a model in a number of other larger regional centres. Um, I'm aware that Aubrey Wodonga has a food share and Bendigo has a food share and Warrnambool. Um, and uh, I think some other regional centres are in the process of setting up a food share similar to ours. Yeah. So that's that's how it works, if you like. We're um, we're a wholesaler. So mm. if you are a person in desperate need of food relief, you don't actually come to us. Yeah. Um, we have this normal relationship with um, uh, the Salvation Army or St Vincent de Paul or the school or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, um, Jim, for explaining that um, part of the or the model of food share. Um, and you mentioned so did it so it started in twenty ten um, in Shepparton. Yeah, oh, look, I think that's when the talks first began, and it probably started operations about twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Yeah. Yeah. How. Um, as it's unfolded, can you tell us a little bit about how it's grown, um, some of the things that were challenging, some of the positive mm. outcomes, um, a little bit about that journey from 2012 to today, I suppose. Well, I wasn't involved uh, until about four, four or five years ago, so I wasn't there for half of that journey. Uh, except, as I said, barracking from the sidelines, hoping and hoping they did well and um, offering help if they asked for it. But um, uh, the, the good thing about Food Share is it's mainly staffed by volunteers. So there's about 20 um, uh, volunteers who work with Food Share all the time, probably quite a few other people have come and go, but 20 core volunteers. And effectively, until recently, it's had one... One, one AFT paid staff member. That When I say one AFT, that comprises of a coordinator four days a week and two other people half a day a week. So it works out at one full-time person. So it, it's a very cost-efficient model because most of the labour and the work of sorting and, just, and picking up and distributing is done by volunteers. Most of those volunteers are are older people and left the workforce, uh, and that's created certain problems with um, the advent of COVID because they're the, they're the pe older people are the ones most at risk of catching COVID, and also they don't necessarily have a lot of stamina if some of the um, demand and throughput ramps up. Um, that's made it quite difficult for them to, um, to, to work. Uh, 
but having said that, we've been blessed with a number of extra volunteers during COVID who made themselves available. So that's really, that's really helped. But the model, what I like about the model is its efficiency. We, um, we get no funding from the government. Um, until recently, we've had, we have had some funding from the government to help us buy supplies during COVID, but that's really, um, that's really uh, a very recent event. Um, and I think the government has seen it as the most efficient way to get food relief out to people who need is to fund us to buy buying extra food at times like this. So we get no, when I say we get no funding from government, we, we don't get any ongoing funding from government. We might get, uh, we might get some money from them at times when things are a bit desperate yeah. and they want to look good. They'll make some money available to us, so we're happy to take it, but they don't, they don't operate us. So the trouble with um, government giving you money is the government pretty much wants to control your model and your output and your messaging when they give you money. So we, um, we're an independent organisation run by a community-based board of, um, and the board of volunteers as well, in effect. So it's um, they're a good group of people on the board um, with a diverse range of skills and only business. Um, and I can tell you that the, the board the boards I've been involved with the food share have all been proud of the fact that we, we operate um, a very efficient charity with no government funding. Um, and we generally hit the mark with distributing food to those in need. Yeah. And um, let's talk a little bit about COVID and the impact of COVID on food share in, since yeah, since last year, March, how? Well, has, yeah. Yes, well, first of all, um, uh, the model of retail distribution of the smaller charities distributing uh, food aid to uh, people in need was very much affected by COVID because most of those smaller charities are staffed by volunteers, most of whom are retired and in the age group most at risk of getting COVID. So a lot of them lost uh most, some lost all of their volunteers and couldn't operate. And so that created a real problem with getting food aid out because um, when your retailers aren't operating, where do, the, where do those that get their food? Yeah. Uh, I call it retail in, in uh, Italics uh, uh, charity, where do they get their food? So what we had to change our model so that we could get food out and we started packing food into boxes with um, the boxes containing what we thought was a, um, a credible variety of foodstuffs that would help people in need. So they had a range of staples, uh, fresh fruit and vegetables and um, uh, things like milk, bread, um, pasta, rice and um, tinned food, uh, things like that. Uh, our best guess, and, and also based on what we had as well, we, we um, because we're, we rely on uh, donations and food, we can only give out what we get. So, so we were packing it into boxes 
and arranging for it to be distributed um, by third party organisations. And so that was the model uh, until COVID hit Shepparton, uh, I guess a few weeks to a month ago, uh, and we started to get uh, very large numbers of people in lockdown in Shepparton. Uh, sorry, people in um, quarantine in Shepparton. The whole town, well, the whole region's in lockdown, but um, there were something like uh, the best part of 20,000 people were had to stay at home, couldn't go out and shop, and, um, uh, and the supermarkets couldn't deliver to a large extent because they'd lost a large amount of their staff. They got geared up anyway to deliver such vast amounts of food. So, um, so we we had to change our model again and uh, and seek um, larger amounts of uh, food from our normal donators. But also, the quickest way to get food is to buy it. And um, a lot of people were contacting us from. Um, Melbourne and outside the Shepparton region saying, how can we help? And our response was, if you give us money, we can buy what we need um, and distribute it to those in need. Because there are so many households where people couldn't get out and the families are all at home, they're all eating at home and uh, we're running out of food. So what we, uh, we organised and we're still running with in, in, over the last few weeks is packing um, three boxes of uh, foodstuffs for each household. One box would be fruit and vegetables and perishables. Yeah. Um, the next box would be um, sorry, staples like uh, milk and bread and um, pasta, rice, those sort of things, um, and tin food. And the third box would be, we actually got a lot of frozen food donated. So we had frozen meals and frozen frozen items and uh, we were using, we had to round up a whole lot of extra volunteers. Yeah. In fact, many dozens of volunteers to deliver those to households and a new organisation was set up, which was uh, actually operated by the Shepparton Lighthouse project called GV Cares and it incorporated Shepparton Food Share and uh, a number of other Credible local organisations and um, and the Lighthouse Project itself, which has a lot of volunteers to get those food parcels delivered to those in need, and that's what we're busy doing at this very point in time. Uh, actually, absolutely, but, um, we've been getting donations of money and also foodstuffs from all around the region. Um, yeah, I can't believe the generosity of people with. Um, and with, um, and with product, um, the Cambrys and the food processors have been very generous donations of UHT milk and uh, canned food from SPC, uh, vegetables from local vegetable growers like Carl Farms at uh, Shepherd and East and uh, Kelly Brothers um, up on the Murray Valley Highway. Um, and uh, look, I, I shouldn't even mention names because there's so many dozens of generous individuals that have donated that um, it's, uh, it's almost embarrassing. And 
the numbers of people that have donated money, and I know some of them are pensioners who don't have a lot of money, um, and they're donating, you know, $20 uh, a fortnight out of their pension. Yeah. Yeah. So it's become, uh, it's become a popular charity of late, which is very pleasing at a time like this, and to see the community come together to um, make sure that everyone's fed and um, is, uh, they might have a lot of problems that have been caused by COVID, but hopefully um, lack of food is not one of them. Um, so that's what's happening with Food Share at the moment. We're very busy with that project to feed the community and that will continue until um, some sort of normality is achieved. Absolutely. Um, and I'm just thinking about viewers or people that will potentially be watching this conversation or listening to it on podcasts that are not from Shepparton or uh, across the world somewhere. Um, and just to put a few things into perspective um, is our town has about approximately 60,000 people in it and out of which yeah. to a third of them are quarantining and isolating due to the COVID outbreak at the moment as we're speaking. Um, and that's where GV Cares and Food Share um, and all of those organisations have merged to, um, yeah, reach out and uh, get emergency relief um, food products to the community to ensure everyone, yeah. yeah. That's well. That uh, you painted the picture. That's that is what it is. Shepparton's a regional um, centre with a total population of uh, well, close to seventy thousand. But um, yeah. when you've got um, most of the people actually do live in Shepparton and Marukna, um, probably uh, in excess of forty thousand uh, uh, live in those two towns, which are only two kilometres apart. And, yeah. uh, it's probably the best part of twenty thousand people. Uh, forced to self-isolate in those in those towns. So that gives you a, uh, some, sort of, some sort of scale of the picture. On the, on the plus side, we live in um, uh, an area that's a massive producer of foodstuffs for Australia and, and in fact the world. Um, so there's, um, there is a lot of food here, but uh, as is, Normally, the case when you have a change in circumstances, you have to um, you have to change the way you do things to be able to make sure that the right aid goes to the right places at the right time, and that's been a bit difficult. Of late, um, able to settle down that as we uh, as we deal uh, with the scale of the problem. Uh, yeah. I think the um, the fact that we're in a in a, a place that produces much more food than it needs has put us in a good position. And of course, that doesn't mean you've got the food that you want or that people need. They can't all live on tinned peaches, for instance, from SPC for right. weeks on end. The food shares at Bendigo uh, and uh, other regional centres, um, uh, we, we're, we're in credit with those generally because we 
where I one of the ways that the food shares work together is trade food between each other. So if they've got a lot of eggs and uh, we have eggs and we've got a lot of tinned fruit and they haven't, we we uh, swap resources around, and that that's been really good. So we've had help from um, a whole variety of organisations, including other food shares, to challenge. But probably the biggest challenge is to change the business model, mm -hmm. which is, as I said, we're, we're a wholesaler. We've actually had to become effectively like a retailer and distribute food directly to people in need, which is not the way we were set up. In the middle of a pandemic um, with um, a shortage of volunteers. So, we're gearing up to do all that. That has been the anyone that's run a business, you go along doing what you do to make money and um, generate turnover. Yeah. When you have a crisis, um, it's all hands on deck. And um, all ideas are worth considering about how to handle the crisis, and that's how we've been dealing with the food share. Uh, I should say, at the very same time, as um, all this has happened, we were notified by a landlord who, uh, I must say, must say, a very, very generous landlord at that, uh, Jeffrey Thompson, who is a massive. Um, uh, uh, grower and packer of, um, of uh, fruit. Uh, we've had rent-free accommodation from them for the best part of 10 years. And uh, they're doing a massive expansion uh, on the site where we're located. And you know, that will enable them to process and pack probably more than half the fruit output of the Golden Valley. And so, They've said that they can't accommodate us anymore. So, oh wow! Red free accommodation for ten years, which is the best sort of accommodation you can have. And so, at the same time as all the COVID stuff has arrived, we've realised that um, we don't, we no longer have a home. And we also have a new home. So we um, uh, I don't mind putting a call out now. Anyone can help us in finding a new home. Um, would be most delighted to hear from you, but um, yeah. it's just uh, like most things in life when you think so many things have gone wrong, nothing else can go wrong, and then two, like, two more things go wrong, and that's another example of it. When you think things can't get any worse, they do get worse. Yeah. Sorry, Jim, I think I just lost you there for a minute. Said we're desperately looking for new accommodation at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I do hope that comes about um, quickly for you guys. And I was just um, curious, with all the relationships um, Food Share as an organisation has formed in the town, how was it easy, um, difficult? Just, yeah, curious about how these relationships are formed with the supermarkets and food growers. Um, yeah. Um, well, we're actually helping each other out. Um, they have a problem. Well, I'll, I'll just 
talk about supermarkets for a start. Yeah. They have a problem with um, what do they do with product that is um, uh, at the end of its shelf life. Um, and what, and in fact, probably for um, paying a contractor to come and take it to the to landfill and dumping it in landfill. So not only the food product, but the packaging and everything that was in it was um, all going to landfill, which seems a, a, a bit of a waste. And, um, and there's two things to remember in, uh, in food. There's, there's best before and used by. And used by is usually a definite date. That That's you know, the best example might be, say, a litre of milk that's got a used by date on it. And uh, it might be okay for a few days after the used by date, but by about the fourth or fifth day after that, it's probably a litre of um, yogurt rather than milk. And um, so it's not the product you want to buy or use. And um, you really can't use things after the, the used by date. Uh, best before though is um, is just an advisory, and um, I think most of us know that uh, a packet of biscuits or a soft drink or a lot of other things with best before on them, they might uh, they there's probably no difference on the day or the few days after that best before date arrives, and uh, maybe uh, after a bit of time you might notice um, the biscuits might not be as crunchy or something like that, but um, they're still good food stuff, and um, we generally distribute our food stuff within within a week within weeks of getting it. Yeah. And so we help the supermarkets with the problem um, by taking that away from them for nothing, and then distributing it. So that's how we get it from the supermarket. So that's that's a win-win situation for everybody. It's also environmentally friendly because um, we um, the packaging and food stuff's not going to landfill. The food's being consumed by people. The packaging's probably being put into um, recycle bins and things like that. Um, most of the fruit and vegetable growers have um, byproduct in the production chain that's um, not necessarily suitable for uh the high standards of supermarkets and other retailers but there's nothing wrong with the product so there's we've also not said carrots and oversized onions and undersized apples and all those sort of things they're happy to get rid of the rice because similarly they end up having to dump those things either in landfill or in a composting situation or they give them away to pig farmers or cattle farmers that stock feed uh, the, most people, prefer, if they have to give away product that they can't sell, they prefer to give it away to humans to use rather than to animals to use. So um, we get a lot of product that way. We also just get a lot of product from the bigger producers, you know, factories, etc. Just a great example is SPC, Shepherd and Preserving Company. Now called Shepherd and Partners Collective, but still SPC. Um, they've been a very steady and solid contributor, and they manufacture lots of things like baked beans and spaghetti and tinned fruit and um, a whole range of products, um, tomatoes, canned tomatoes, and they've been 
extraordinarily generous to us over the years and their product is very shelf stable as well so it doesn't go off and um, it's uh, we trade with other food shares with that because that's um, some of those things are the staples that are in every pantry and people know so they're greatly appreciated Campbell Soups is another one that um, has a lot of product. Uh, they, um, the thing is, when people put something into a can, it's generally pretty stable and pretty saleable, but uh, uh, they still make contributions to us because they believe it's the right thing to do. So we do have to thank them greatly for that. That's a product's really fantastic. Everyone knows how to use it. They know how to open a can and heat something up. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's the nature of it. Um, another example is um, look, one of the local pork producers gave us a very large donation of um, frozen product. And what had happened is his method of operation was that he would go to um, farmers markets and sell his product. And with COVID, most of the farmers markets have been cancelled and so he ended up freezing a lot of product and he would take that, normally he would take that product, frozen product to a farmers market and sell it at 20 or 30 or 40% off. But with, um, he wasn't even able to do that. So he donated what in retail terms would be $20,000 worth of product. Small goods and roasts and things like that, which um, Protein is always hard to get from the food share game. So, as an enormous donation uh, by a small business, but, uh, small business and um, hugely appreciated. So, we, yeah, we can help out with things like that when people produce too much or all of a sudden the market crashes and they can't sell and they have to get rid of things. Sure. Um, it's much better than it gets distributed than just dumped at a, at a rubbish dump somewhere. That's right. That's so interesting to, um, yeah, sort of uh, hear and so consume that information about the actual things that happen behind the scenes um, at the yeah. food share and, yeah, um, really ingrained within the community as well. Um, Jim, I wanted to ask, is there anything that I haven't asked or touched on um, that you would like to tell people listening to this conversation? Um, I think one of the questions you asked me to consider in anticipation of this is, um, what would be my vision for a utopian world? Is that right? I'm looking at it here. Yeah. Uh, and the five main key takeaways, well, I'm not sure about the five main key takeaways. And, um, uh, as mankind ever since recorded history, we've been aiming for utopia. Um, the main way we've looked at it uh, is those that in power uh, have maintained a utopian lifestyle for themselves at the expense of everybody else. Uh, uh, I, I'd like to be an optimist and say, in spite of us all knowing about lots, all knowing, all of us knowing lots more about a lot of bad things happening in the world. The trend is, is for people to live better and longer and happier lives than they ever did before. 
and for more people what they need and more people as a percentage of the people in the world to live better and happier and longer lives. So utopia is what we human beings make it. Most people that have considered utopia know that you'll never actually find utopia. And some of the crazy forms of wanting to find it include um, uh, national socialism or the Nazi ideology, um, communism, and other things that um, are meant to bring utopia on earth and uh, have failed recently. But um, I think utopia is where. Um, communities come together to do things like food share, where people care about each other and is kind to each other as they can be in the circumstances. And um, I'm pretty heartened by what's happening in Australia as um, more wealth disseminates through society, more people seem to be fulfilled by making sure those that are less fortunate than themselves are given a given an opportunity in a better life. Running out to look at what life was like 50 years ago or 100 years ago for most people to know that most people have access to a better life and we can never, we can never give um, a guarantee of the quality of outcome, but we can give, I think, a guarantee of striving for a quality of opportunity. And um, Australia is, a, is probably a great example where people have come from all over the world. Uh, pretty much all of them have arrived here with nothing. And within a generation or two generations, they, they, they're prospering. Um, and often, often within the first generation of arrival, they're prospering. One of the sad things is the original inhabitants of Australia, the Aboriginal people, it's still probably the most disadvantaged group that we know of. And that's something for all of us to consider. We didn't acknowledge and understand the culture and their way of surviving in a tough environment. And when we arrived, we just thought that they were closer beings than us. And some thought they weren't even beings. And um, that's, that is still working progress. Uh, utopia is uh, it's the best we can make it in the world um, and I think it starts with everyone I don't know what the five key ways to get there are but the first one I can think of is just try and be kind to people and be decent and, uh, uh, let your conscience be your guide I think most people know what the right thing is and, uh, Australia doesn't allow for that most cases. Um, we spend an awful lot of our time in Australia um, complaining to each other about how bad things are, but no, not too many people want to go and live somewhere else. Um, so I think and at least we are able to complain to each other and to anyone that will listen about how bad things are and nothing bad happens to us as a result. So, yeah, we're. we're, we're Compared to many places, we're already living in utopia in Australia. So that's utopia. So my my view on utopia anyway. <laughs> we're getting there eventually. <laughs>
Thank you so much, Jim. And I did want to um, have a final oh, have a final question, which is um, if people do want to help um, food uh, Shepparton Food Share or GV Cares or that sort of um, merged group, how do they help it in the short term and long term? Well, the best way is um, there's a website, Shepherd and, well, just Google Shepherd and Food Share and you'll find the Shepherd and Food Share website and there is a donate button and people can donate money. And look, sadly, um, uh, money is the quickest and most efficient way to overcome most or many problems and the issues we have of getting enough food and distributing it most quickly resolved by money. If people did a food drive, that's helpful, but it takes some weeks to accumulate enough food, then you have to get it here, and then it might not be exactly what we need. Whereas mm. if it's money, we can sort of buy what we are short of because we're getting a lot, we are actually getting quite a few donations of food. And so, but, but often it's um, too much of one thing and not enough of another. Whereas with money, you can flatten it out a bit and get all the right stuff. So. There's a website for Shepherd and Food Share. People could donate. There's a donate button on that. That would be wonderful. That's awesome. Um, and what about the long term to ensure that Shepparton Food Share continues to be an important part of the community? Uh, longer term, we need to find our own premises that we own ourselves. So we're entering now, starting from now into a uh, campaign as soon as COVID. Well, the immediate COVID issue to die down a little bit, we'll be starting up a, a fundraising campaign to raise um, we're probably going to raise the best part of dollars, uh, probably eight hundred thousand dollars at least anyway, to um, to buy land and own our own premises. But that way we don't have um, to rent to rent appropriate premises, we're probably looking at you know eighty to hundred thousand dollars a year. At that rate, in 10 years, you could own the premises. So we, um, we're, well, I'm announcing it now. We have a fundraising campaign uh, that's uh, starting as we speak to raise funds so we can buy land and build premises or buy a shed that we can use. Now, needs are not great. We just need a large undercover space through which we can um, operate in and store our product and distribute it from well, probably something like um, 2,000 square metres of land with about a 1,000 square metre shed on it. That's what we need. Yeah. I think like it was extremely generous and wants to donate such a thing. It's more like a long slog to raise enough money from public. Now. Yeah. Beautiful. In the longer term, I don't think we'll ever get to the stage in uh, the next little while anyway, 20 or 30 years, that people aren't in some way led at least food and work. So I think we'll go on as an organisation for quite a while. Yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful. Thank you so much, Jim, for um, taking the time to explain your chapter with 
in relation to food share and um, its uh, deep connection to the community. And for anyone that's watching this conversation or listening to it on podcast, please share it with your friends, um, your family, whoever resonates with it and in whatever way um, we can help the Shepparton community, that would be fantastic. And I'll put the website link um, with this conversation as soon as I upload it. So thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you.